Good morning, church. Thank you, Christopher. He just became a dad. We should clap for him really fast. <laughs> prayed for them for... Actually, the last time I was on the stage, um, we prayed for just people that have been trying to have babies. So it's really cool that uh, I think it's about a year later that now he has a baby. And now I'll be praying for his sleep, uh, be praying for, you know, all the other things that come with being a parent. Um, but good morning. Hey, um, before we get started with anything, I love worship. I love church. I love being here for that. And I felt like the Lord um, had a word for me to just share before I go off my notes or anything. Um, somebody in here, and maybe there's more than one of you in here, you feel like the Lord's given you a promise. Um, and maybe it's been like 10 years. Maybe it's been 20 years. And like that thing that you felt like the Lord promised to you either didn't happen, it was taken away, something like that. Um, I feel like the Lord's just saying it's a new day. It's time to get to work. Um, you feel like you're too old, like, hey, that promise was for me when I was 30, but now I'm 50. Uh, you're never going to be younger than you are today, right now. So get to work. You're never going to get younger. You're always going to get older. Start moving on it. It's a new day, church. It's a new day. Um, I'm super excited about today, about the series. Uh, we're doing it with Awaken Church. So Awaken, good morning. Good morning, Pastor Adam and Brooke. Good morning, live stream. Um, for those of you that don't know, Awaken, it's an awesome church out in Idaho. And Pastor Adam, who is their lead pastor, he was actually my youth pastor growing up. Uh, other than my dad, like one of the biggest heroes of my faith. I love that guy so much. I look up to him. He's like 10 years older than I am. So I've, I actually just told him yesterday, like, you put me on a trajectory for life. Like, I see where you're at, and then that's like where I want to head. I'm just going the same place you're going. So like, keep going, man. Um, he taught me a ton of stuff. He was my youth pastor. He taught me things like uh, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead, um, which I still apply to this day. Uh, he taught me that whenever you're dating a girl, before you get married, you have to hold hands like this. And then once you get married, you're allowed to hold hands like this. Uh, he also called that the sexy way to hold hands. So um, I didn't follow that advice that he gave me, but it is really good advice. And I'll probably tell my kids that advice uh, at some point in their life. So it's a new day. Did this just die? I felt like it died for a second. It's a new day today at church. So that can mean a lot of things for a lot of people. A lot of people, I bet you're in this room, you're like, yeah, I miss the old day, though. Or a lot of you are like, this new day sucks. Like, I don't want to be a part of this new day at all. And um, I just want to tell you what a new day means to me, right? It's a very vague phrase. Like, when Pastor came to us and said, the, the theme of this year, the vision presentation, the vision series is it's a new day, that was all he said. He didn't really give any, like, um, and that's what this means. It was like, here's what I got from God. It's a new day. Figure it out. Like, okay, cool. So we're here. I'm on the stage right now figuring it out currently as I, the words are coming out of my mouth. Um, but this is what it means to me. And Pastor said this yesterday, and uh, it really spoke to me. Um, it's been a hard couple of years. Like, not for my family, not for this church, but just in general. Like, ask anybody. These last two years have been interesting and challenging and hard. Um, and in that amount of time, we've lost a lot of really good people. We've lost um, just heroes in the faith, people that I've looked up to my whole life, 
people that have prayed for me, and I know they're praying for me every day, and when they're gone, I can tell that they're not here anymore. Um, and it's a new day, and what that means to me is that it's our turn. Like, there's heroes in the faith that have died. There's Mark Hubbard and Dave Carlton and Edna Stewart, people that have been in this church for forever and have prayed for you more than you realize that they've prayed for you. And they didn't just wake up one day and become like these awesome heroes of the faith. They woke up every day, they grinded, they went from faith to faith, from grace to grace, and now it's our turn. There's boys in this room that need to become men. There's men in this room that need to become good men. There's great men in this room that need to become even greater. It's our turn. It's a new day. It's time for our generation to stand up. It's time for our generation to be the heroes that we have needed. And that's what it means to me. So let's get started with this. Um, Today we're talking about a new day, and we're talking about questions that Jesus asked in Scripture. Jesus gets asked 183 questions in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to which he only answers three directly. And a lot of the times when he doesn't answer, what he does is he actually asks a question. So today we're going to start with a question. And the question is actually in Matthew 16, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But the question is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is, church? A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing a person can think about is what we think about when we think about God. Do you think of God as a dad? Maybe you had a bad dad, and maybe you don't really associate him as being a dad. Do you think of him as master? Do you think of him as Lord? Do you think of him as Savior? Do you think of him as, maybe you're in this room and you don't even really believe in God. Do you think maybe Jesus was a good man? Maybe you don't even think that he was really a person. Maybe it was just a myth. Um, And if that's the case, then I'm really glad that you're here today. Uh, We're going to get into a little bit of a history lesson. Um, And if you hate history, I was really bad at history in school, so I promise I'm going to try and not make this boring. But 30 years ago, if you were to tell somebody... uh, that you didn't like something they were doing or you were arguing with them or something and you said, I don't really agree with what you're saying, you could point to this book and if you could prove in this book right here, which if you don't know, this is a Bible, um, you could point into this book and you could say, I disagree with you and here's why and you could use this as truth. This book right here has never been under attack more in the last five years than it is currently right now. People will tell you it's not true People will tell you that there's parts of it that are true, but other parts have been changed for, uh, to promote agendas of men, powerful men. And so today, what I want to do is I want to show you that every book or every word in this book is truth. And I want to show you that so that when you go to lead people to Jesus, these are the types of questions that people are asking. Like, is the Bible true? Yes. And I'm going to show you why beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's true. So history lesson, and then I have a funny video for those of you that get bored after the history lesson, and then we're going to come through and close it. It's going to be an incredible service. And if not, I won't be here next week, so then you don't have to worry about it. So First uh, Peter 3.15 says to always be prepared to give a good answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So is the Bible reliable? Let's start. And if you're taking notes, this is a good time to start writing. Hopefully you didn't write anything I said before this, but now is a good time to start. Um, Who wrote the Bible? Forty different writers over the span of 1,500 years. This isn't one person that sat down and went, Genesis 1-1, and then all the way to Revelation. This is 40 different people that wrote over the span of 1,500 years. If you've been in church for like 40 years and you know all this, I apologize in advance. I promise it's going to get somewhere good. Um, 
The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, was finished before Jesus was born. And this is very important because there's a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament that talks about Jesus, that Jesus then fulfilled, but he wasn't alive before it was finished. So that's very important for um, where we're headed here. The authors wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now what this means, I feel like a lot of time people think that that means they had their hand on a piece of paper and their eyes were like rolled into the back of their head and they're just writing. That's not, what, that's not what that means. That means that they were writing the book, and every word, every thought that they had, we believe, was inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they wrote it just like a normal person would write a book. Um, archaeology confirms that the Bible is historically accurate. Uh, Jewish archaeologist Nelson Gluick, who is obviously not Christian, has no agenda to promote, says that it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. That means anything that they've ever found, uh, archaeologists, when they're digging up things like dinosaur bones and, you know, old tombs and things like that, they've never found something that has been able to contradict something in Scripture. That's important. So here's a couple of examples. Uh, We're going to have some pictures for those of you that need pictures. Um, John describes the Pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 with five walkways leading to the pool. Um, Archaeologists didn't think it was real until they actually found it 40 feet underground, right there. And if you go to John chapter 5, it actually describes it um, pretty intensely. And so when they found it and they dug it up, they talked about there being five walkways to this pool, and they found all five walkways. It was literally as they had um, described it in the book of John, which is pretty incredible. 40 feet under the ground, they didn't think it was real. Um, In the book of Acts, Luke lists 32 countries, 54 cities, nine islands, and they've all been found. They've all been identified through archaeology. The Dead Sea Scrolls, which is our next picture, these were scrolls that were found uh, in 1947. They're a thousand years older than any other Old Testament copy that we have. And when they compared it to the oldest copy that we had, so a thousand years newer, it was 99.5% accurate compared to the 1,000-year newer translation. And the things that had changed were things like uh, wording or uh, parentheses, uh, sentences, you know, like periods. What am I trying to say? Grammar. That's the word I'm trying to say. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. So instead of it saying, like, happy birthday, man, it said, man, happy birthday. It doesn't change the meaning of it at all, but there were just wording changes there. So over the course of 1,000 years, it doesn't change at all. Um, the New Testament was written between 50 and 100 A.D., and there's over 5,000 copies of it. They're better preserved than any other ancient manuscript. When you think about plays that were written then that we would consider true and not changed, we're talking there's like five or six copies of these plays. We have over 5,000 copies of the Bible, um, and they're in way better condition than what we would consider these plays. The two most credible first-century historians that had nothing to do with the Bible— both agree that Jesus was real. Uh, Josephus, who was, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. If I didn't pronounce it right, I apologize. But he was a first century historian. He had this to say about Jesus, and he was a Jew. He said, we learned that Jesus was a wise man who did surprising feats, taught many, won over many followers from among Jews and Greeks, was believed to be the Messiah, was accused by the Jewish leaders, was condemned to be crucified by Pilate, and was resurrected. Um, the scriptures are accurate. And they're validated by archaeologists and historians. Um, This book right here 
This book is not a good book. This book is not a man book. This book is a God book. And this book is the revelation of who God is. And podcasts are awesome. Faith-building books, incredible. Leadership books, great. Watching sermons on TV, awesome. Listening to me preach, okay. Um, This book, if you're not reading this book consistently, none of the rest of it matters. The only way to God is to learn who God is. He wants a relationship with you. And how are you supposed to love somebody that you don't know? Like, worship music is incredible, but those people have their own relationship with who God is, and you need your own relationship with who God is. And not just the God that you've created, right? Not the 30-year-old beanie-wearing, coffee-sipping God that you've created in your brain. Not the 50-year-old white Republican God that you've created in your brain. Um, God reveals himself through this book, and it's true. So who is Jesus to you? Um, A lot of people see Jesus this way. Enjoy this video. Do you think he can fly? Here he comes. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you, I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Um, Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. (laughs) If that offended you, I'm sorry, but it's really funny. Um, So that's how a lot of people see Jesus, right? He's like this guy in the sky that just judges people, tells people what they're doing wrong, and then kind of moves on. Um, But that's not the Jesus that I know. That's not the Jesus of Scripture. So now that we can agree, we all agree, right? Like this book's valid. Every word in this book is true. We all agree that. 
So now we can talk about who God is. Uh, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19, I'm going to read this out of the message translation. Uh, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, some think he's John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of the books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. Let me pause there. Um, for you to know who you really are, you need to know who God really is. And the more you reveal to um, God about who you, who you believe him to be, the more you learn about who you're really supposed to be. The more you know God, the more you know yourself. When you know who you are, you know what to do. I hear so many young people are like, I just don't know what to do with my life. And I just tell them, like, just chase after God as hard as you can, and I promise you're going to end up in the right spot. Like, you might make some mistakes along the way. You might end up being an accountant for three years in a random place. Uh, but eventually you're going to end up where God has called you to be. Let's keep reading. Um, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdoms. Um, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. Knowing who you really are starts with knowing who God is. My son, he's four years old. Uh, he knows who he is. We're uh, potty training his little sister right now, who's two, so be praying for us. Um, she loves Minnie Mouse everything. She's like the girliest girl, and I grew up with only brothers, so I, I, I'm learning how to be a dad to girls. Um, but he'll say things. I'll say, like, hey, buddy, can you go pick up that toy? And he'll say, no, that's a baby toy. I don't do that. Or I'll say, hey, buddy, can you grab me my toothbrush? And he said, no, that's daddy's toothbrush. I don't touch that. He knows who he is. He's confident in who he is, and he doesn't want anybody else to tell him otherwise. Listen, there was a time and a place when I was not confident in who I was, and I can tell you right now that why I wasn't confident in who I was because I was as far away from God as I could possibly get. The closer that I got to God, the more confident I became in who I really was. I could get off the stage today and you could tell me that was horrible. You tell me you never want to see me again, and I'm okay with that because I'm confident in who I am. I know who I am, I know whose I am, and I know what I'm supposed to do because I have a close relationship with God. I wasn't really gonna share this, and if you've been here for like 20 years, you've heard this already, so just tune out the next five minutes. I'll do like a, a, a spark notes at the end to summarize what I just said. Check back in then. Um, there was a season in my life when I was heavily addicted to pornography. I had a horrible porn problem. And at the same time, I would say I was having a crisis identity. I didn't know who I wanted to be. And the reality is that when you have hidden sin like that in your life, um, it's like a cell phone, right? Like when you have one bar, you got a little bit of service, but you're not really doing great. And then two bars, you're doing better. Three bars, four bars. When you have hidden sin in your life, you're putting barriers between you and God to where you can't hear him clearly. 
things that are coming through, you're like, oh, God, I don't really know. Was that you? Was that not you? Um, and the second I started to come clean with that, it was like I could hear God cleaner than I had ever heard before in my life. If you have hidden sin in your life, if you have sins that are just happening continually, man, deal with them. Because it's not only hurting you, it's hurting your future. It's hurting who you were called to be. Before there was a you, there was a reason for you. Like God, this is crazy to me, and just follow me here. God, the creator of the universe, saw a problem in the world and said, Tammy, I've created you for this reason. He said, Zach, I've created you for this reason. He said, Lauren, I've created you for this reason. Megan, I've created you for this reason. Devo, I've created you for this reason. Um, he sees problems in the world and he creates you to solve them. So what's your reason, church? Like, why are you here today? Who do you say that God is? And I promise the more that you know who God is, the more you know who you'll be. In a world consumed with self-improvement, do what makes you happy. Do what's best for you. Self-love, the heart wants what it wants, and so many other self-absorbed solutions for giving your life meaning. Peter declares that Jesus is God. Jesus in return gives Peter his identity. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who God is, you'll know who you are. Um, it's New Year's resolution time, right? So like a lot of people are getting back into it. Like what a great time to start reading your Bible, to start praying, to start really knowing who God is. And don't take my word for it. Like do your own research, have your own faith. Please don't listen to Pastor Jim and just assume everything that he's saying is true. Um, I would say most of what he's saying is true. <laughs> uh, he's my dad too, if you didn't know that. But um, you're here for a specific reason. So... When Peter claims that Jesus is God, uh, that's in Matthew chapter 16. And before that, there's 15 chapters of Matthew, and Jesus has done all these incredible miracles. He's turned water into wine. He's fed the 4,000. He's fed the 5,000. He's walked on water, and still nobody has declared him as Lord. They've worshiped him, but they haven't called him Lord. Um, and then finally, this is how I vision it. Everybody's thinking it, right? And finally, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And, Jesus, and Peter says, you're the Messiah. There's power in declaring truth over your life. It's great to think it. It's something else to speak it. So I have a couple characteristics here of who God is from Scripture. And I just want you guys to repeat them after me. Uh, they're declarations of who God is, the goodness of God, um, because there's power in declaring Scripture over your life. If you guys would just repeat these after me. God is consistent. He does not change. That's Malachi 3.6. says that I, the Lord, do not change. God is faithful. That's 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. God is just. He is perfect in all his ways. That's Deuteronomy 32.4 that says, His ways are perfect, and the way he works is fair and just, a God you can depend on, no exceptions. God is merciful. He is infinitely compassionate and kind. And that's Romans 9.15 that says, I will have no mercy on who I have, or sorry, I will have mercy on who I have mercy and compassion on who I have compassion. God is love. And that's 1 John 4, 7 that says, 
Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. God is consistent. God is faithful. God is just. God is merciful. God is love. Uh, my closing thought for you is this next slide. God's those things. Who are you? And man, I love church. I love worship. Today I was speaking, so I didn't have to like do anything. I just got to attend. I didn't really have to work. And uh, what a blessing it is to just be in this building, to sit here, to be able to pray, to worship, to be in a community of people that I love and that I call family. Um, I hope you guys realize just how special that is that we get to live in this country and do the things that we get to do. Not everybody in the world gets to do these things. Um, but that's not enough. Church on Sunday isn't enough. An hour on Sunday, um, listening to somebody that's preached 10 sermons in his whole life, like that's not enough. Um, you need your time of prayer. You need your relationship with God. You need your time to read the Bible and find out who's God for you. And by finding out who God is for you, you'll find out who you really are. You guys want to bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God at all. Maybe you're here today because it's like, you know what? It was my New Year's resolution to come to church. And last week, there was a really bad snowstorm, so I thought I'd try it one time. Pastor Jim looks a lot younger than he used to be. Um, and you just need Jesus. My prayer for you is that you'd find him. The reality is that no matter how far you've gone away, how far you've walked away from him, you're going to turn around and he's right there. You walk two miles away from him, he's two feet behind you. And I just pray for a deeper relationship for everybody in here. Like I said at the very beginning, there are boys in here that need to become men. There are men in here that need to become good men. There are good men in here that need to become great men. And the only way that you can do that is by going from faith to faith, from grace to grace. The only way that you can do that is by developing a relationship that's deeper and deeper and deeper with Jesus. So Father, I pray for every person in here that needs you. Every person in here that doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, we just say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this room right now, God. We just pray that you would penetrate the hearts of men, Father, that you would change lives and do what only you can do. Father, I pray for people in here that just need more of you. God, I pray that you would just enlarge our capacities to receive from you, that we would want you more today than we did yesterday, that we'd want you more tomorrow than we did today, God. I pray that we would just desire to know you more, Father, not for our own selfish ambition and not for, you know, promotion, but that we just want to know you just to know you. Thank you, God, that you are good, that you are in a good mood. Thank you for this year, God. Thank you that it's a new day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. love you. Amen. I think he does this, right? Normally, I gotta come up with my own goodbye, but he does that normally. Yeah, so a couple different things. If it's your first time here, 
Um, we have this room back here. Pastor Ian and Pastor JD are back there. They'd love to meet you. I'll probably go back there too and say, hi, what's up? Um, and then also in the lobby, it was already mentioned, but FCMA is doing promotion, which is incredible. And then also Groups is doing signups and promo as well. It's a great day to be in church. Thanks for coming through the ice. Thanks for being here. And uh, next week, Pastor Adam will be preaching from Awaken. It's going to be an awesome Sunday. And then after that, Pastor Jim will be back. And uh, it's a good time to be in church. Amen. Have a good day, guys.